Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. From the grassroots to the elite, from the juniors to the pros, covering the Aussies trekking the globes to the champions internationally. Welcome to the first serve, your home of tennis for Green Life Group, whose passion is open space. Build, maintain, sustain. Check out Australia's market leader at glgcorp.com. Great to have GLG on board. Good evening, everybody. Nice to be here on this uh, Queen's birthday Monday. Normally we'd be sort of following the footy, not to be, but great to see all the fight, uh, MND uh, beanies all across Melbourne in my uh, big walk into the city uh, today supporting uh, a great cause. Uh, Brett Phillips alongside the Nuka medalist of 2015, the man who owns the fastest serve in the history of the game, uh, Sam Groth. Grothy, we do it remotely again. We're not sure when we'll get back to some sort of normality, us being in the studio, but I can see you, you can see me. We've got a big show coming up tonight. We certainly do. A couple of big guests coming on. I'm looking forward to it. It's been a long weekend for me sitting at home with the dogs. The wife's been away with a couple of the girlfriends. A little bit of normality back. Cafes and restaurants are starting to open. Yeah. Whether we're any closer to tennis or not, though, that still remains to be seen, doesn't it? Don't know if we'll solve it tonight for you, but uh, hopefully we're getting it. Well, we are closer because uh, two weeks ago we said the uh, 15th of June, Grothy, was D-Day. We now sit at the uh, 8th of June and we still await a decision. It's been fascinating just to look at the quotes from some of the big names and how big and powerful are they going to be in the long run here because certainly some discussions I've had off air with a couple of key people on the ground in the US and you'd be hearing things and talking to people is that there's optimism that yes we can actually make this happen we can do this 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 and if we put people in a hotel there and we make sure that people can get from A to B and we have all these protocols in place this is achievable and then the big names say it's impossible. Rafael Nadal I don't want to come to New York. Novak Djokovic this is dangerous to be going this early so are the powerful voices going to determine the fate of the US Open here? What's going to prevail? We're just not quite sure. Well, this is the hard thing, isn't it? They're proposing, obviously, a tournament looks very different. No qualifying, possibly reduced doubles and mixed doubles. In an environment when we're trying to create more playing opportunities and more money for the lower tiers, obviously they want to get this tournament up and running, and that's their yep. main focus. But straight away, they're detracting from a huge part of the player base that's not able to go. And then you get Rafa and Novak. Obviously, that side becomes... They're they're trying to get the tournament on. They're trying to do everything they can and have a tournament in some capacity. But then you get Novak and Rafa saying, well, we won't go. I won't go if I haven't got a coach or a physio or my my squad or my team that I normally travel with. And, you know, the decision is going to come if those guys decide that we're not going... Well, are those guys bigger than the sport? I think if they say they're not going, the tournament has to go ahead. If they decide to play and the big names say we're not coming, the tournament has to go ahead no matter what 
because as big as those guys have been for the sport, the big three in the men's side, you know, and then Serena, and you look at the women's side, if they decide not to play, decide not to play, not that Serena wouldn't, she's in the US, of course, I'd imagine she would play. But if those guys, Rafa and Novak, don't play, mm. you know, there's got to be a precedent set that says the sport is bigger than those couple of players. No, I agree with you there. And I, I don't know if, if you're doing a straw poll right across the board. I've read a couple of quotes from Karolina Pliskova high up in the women's game across the weekend. Yes, it sucks there's no uh, fans, but it sucks that we're not playing any tennis. And I want to get out there and actually uh, play. And uh, that was sort of in reference to Roger Federer just having a real issue uh, playing with no fans. He can't quite get his head around that. But uh, Djokovic, I had a telephone conversation with the leaders of world tennis. There were talks about... The continuation of the season, mostly about the US Open due in late August, but it's not known whether it'll be held. The rules that they have told us is that we'd have to respect to be there to play at all. They are extreme. We would uh, not have access to Manhattan. We'd have to sleep in hotels at the airport to be tested twice or three times per week. Also, we could bring just the one person to the club, which is really impossible. I mean, you need your coach, fitness trainer, physiotherapist, he suggested economic factors were behind the push to play the tournament. We know that money's a huge factor here for tennis and all sports to try and uh, salvage uh, the year financially. And there was this little response just I uh, picked (laughs) up on one of the forums on social media, Grothy, today. Wow, poor Novak. Impossible to play the US Open with only one support staff and have to stay out of Manhattan and slum it at an airport hotel near LaGuardia. Maybe they should make him sleep top and tail with his brother and then he could get an insight into playing the Challenger circuit. Poor Novak, heart bleeds. Yeah, I mean, it's a different way you'd have to play the tournament. Welcome to what the rest of us had to go through every time that we turned up to a, a Grand Slam. And yeah, obviously, the two of physios, all the stuff that's provided by the tournament is great anyway, but it just means he can't get his stuff done exactly when he wants it. He might have to wait in line like everybody else has to on a normal day. It's also going to be great, obviously. We're going to chat to Alex Demon all later to get his opinion. Obviously, he played in Spain over the weekend in an event or over the last little bit and yep. you know to see what he thinks about the possibility of going to New York and being able to compete because he missed a m- major part of the first part of the year right before he got shut down after the ATP Cup, so... Interesting to, interesting to hear his take also. So what do you say right now, Grothy? We're a week away or about a week a week and a half away from a final decision being made on the US Open. I mean, you've been fairly consistent. I think we sort of have shared the same view that it's so hard to see tennis resuming this year. Where do, where do you sit now on Monday the 8th of uh, June? Well, obviously, COVID-19 is one thing, but the US has got some serious stuff going on at the moment as well, obviously yep. with all the protesting and, and the civil unrest and... You know, I'm still optimistic that I can get to the US and maybe do some work in the next couple of months. So I haven't written it off completely. Obviously, they're working as hard as they possibly can. We're seeing so many things start to open up um, here. We're in Australia. We're, we're very lucky. Um, you know, the NBA also over there is going to announce a 22-team competition. Oh, I don't know, BP. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I no. really have no idea. Like, I, I, I can't say... Well, there's no chance because look at all these measures they're putting in place to try to get this thing up and running. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't have a firm yes, no. There's so many uh, moving parts here. The next week is really going to determine. But domestically now, we're still waiting... 
For the final detail, Grothy, uh, this was the Tennis Australia Chief Operating Officer, Tom Lana, who was on our show last Monday night. Tom, obviously, it's an ever-changing landscape at the moment, and this week we actually heard Nick Kyrgios is due to go over to Berlin to play an exhibition alongside the likes of Dominic Team. I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, it'd be great to keep players of his profile and be able to get a competition up and running domestically. Yeah, and we're not we're very, very close to that. So later this week, the next week or so we'll be announcing, you know, a series of uh, of events across Australia, across five cities across Australia to take us through sort of mid to late June through July. We've actually looking at sort of the next three or four months, but obviously we're gonna we've got a big uh, announcement from the US Open mid this month to give us an indication of what the tour looks like at uh, at ATP WTA and Grand Slam level and that'll guide us but you know we're looking over late June and through July putting out a series of events to give those players who are stuck in Australia opportunity to compete opportunity to earn a little bit of prize money as well uh, to, and be ready when the tour comes back on to be able to uh, go straight across. Okay so that was Tom Lana a week ago on our show nothing has been released officially from Tennis Australia Grothy but we had Lisette Cabrera on our Aussies Only podcast as our special guest last week. This is what she had to say. Feels like the longest preseason of all time and I was dying in preseason. Like I was so ready to go. So yeah, I'm definitely going to play it. I think it's going to be so good to just kind of have that um, competitive feel again. There'll be some money up as well, which is good because, you know, none of us have been earning money. But yeah, I'll definitely be playing it. I think it's something to do with like the UTR system. And I think there'll be like maybe like six girls and six guys in each state or there's like two groups of that. I don't really know. More details are going to be confirmed soon. I definitely plan on playing it. Yes, more details to be revealed soon, but... We're none the wiser. Just some feedback on social media. I want to run this past yep. you, Sam. Way too late. By then, the ATP and the WTA will be close to starting. Tennis Australia have had months to figure out something and have lost the opportunity. Very sad. Should have been announced a month ago and starting before the NRL. They have left it way too late. There won't be any big names. Nobody will care. Kyrgios will be in Germany. Demon or in Spain. Popper and in France. Attention elsewhere. Dad will be much better on the WTA side. If Barty doesn't play, there's nobody, which is a little harsh, and her eyes will be on the WTA, not an exhibition. Yeah. Look, there was an event that was supposed to get up and running in Adelaide. It got shut down last minute by, you know, the coronavirus subcommittee or whatever whatever they call it over there. Um, I do agree. It would have been great to have it before we got the footy back, before we got NRL, before we got AFL, and almost put a little bit of a spotlight on the sport. Um, you know, you don't have to touch your opponent. We've seen it happen in the US. We've seen it happen in Europe. There was other places that were able to get events mm. to go together over a weekend. I, I think we should have done something already. Now, I know they're working towards it, but I do tend to agree maybe it's going to be a little late, especially if you do get players start to duck off to the U.S. to try to play the U.S. Open or World Team Tennis, which is going to happen for three weeks before that. You know, it's it's maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity. Now, we talk about the competition being an opportunity for the lesser-ranked players to play also and boost their profile, but how are they going to go up against the AFL? Probably not very well. Mm. That's a fair point. Uh, look, just when you see the rest of the world playing some tennis, yep. and we mentioned yep. it last week, we reeled off a, a whole list of tournaments that have been played that are coming up through June, July. I mean, New Zealand, they don't often beat us to the punch, uh, Grothy. Now, yeah. we're not uh, privy to everything behind the scenes, but yeah, we don't have any tennis here in Australia. Hopefully an announcement over the next uh, couple of days. Let's get a break away because you mentioned that Alex Dimonor is going to join us live from Spain, our number one male. He was back on court 
Uh, we've been following the demon on social media the last few months. He's been doing his head in. It's been he's been in real serious, real serious uh, lockdown. Uh, we're here thanks to Top Agents Real Estate servicing all of Melbourne. If you live here or looking to move to the beautiful city of Melbourne, you're looking to buy, rent, sell, have that property investment managed. Make contact with David and his team. They're back in the office after the Queen's birthday Monday. Nine double five eight four five double nine or top agents.com.au and you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Alex Demonor next here on The First Serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis. The Green Life Group, your open space specialist in landscape construction, maintenance and project management. Check out glgcorp.com to discover more. Welcome back to the First Serve Monday night on this Queen's birthday. Uh, Brett Phillips alongside Sam Groth. Uh, make sure you check out thefirstserve.com.au. We've got uh, all our live shows of the past that you uh, may have missed that you can listen back to. Uh, Aussies only, Lizette Cabrera, the latest edition, Crunching the Numbers, Mythbusting. It involved you, our great listeners, through our social media with a really good edition last week. And we also added uh, In the Huddle, for those uh, looking at the uh, the college pathway into uh, tennis. So uh, follow the firstserve.com.au. I was tuning in, Grothy, to uh, Nick Kyrgios doing a podcast. And when you get Nick in yeah. long form, it, it's sort of hard not to listen. But he was speaking to Elliot Loney. I mean, a very funny man, as we know, impersonating everyone in tennis, but also could play and uh, obviously knows all the Australian players very well. And he, was, uh, he actually asked a question of Nick, that he's often asked, should he actually get a coach? I mean, first of all, I'm just going to be completely honest. Yeah, I think towards the start of my career and, you know, when I was a junior, having a coach is absolutely essential. Like, having someone that can guide you and keep you on the straight and narrow going through all these, like, dealing with adversity, like, losses every week, it's not easy to take. So having someone there to guide you, I think that's more the important role of a coach, not so much. Obviously, I think when you get to 18, 19, technicality, like, physicality and all that type of stuff should be taking care of themselves at that moment. Like, the player should know how to play the game, what they need to do under pressure, and and what worked for that style of play. So for me now, like I know like having a coach for me, like one personally, I think is a little bit of a waste of money because I think they get paid way too much. I'm not going to use that money on someone who's really not going to be able to tell me technically, like I know technically my shots are fine. Like I need to work on my forehand return a little bit. It's a bit shaky at times, but I can fix that. Physicality, I know for myself that I could get better, I could get fitter, I can get stronger. Like I don't need someone to tell me that. But like, I, just, I don't know. I don't really, I don't think that a coach would add any value to me. And first of all, I'm very unpredictable. Like one day I want to train the next day, I'll probably stay in bed all day. Like, I'm not, I don't think there's a coach that's willing to deal with the, the whole roller coaster. And I wouldn't do it to them. Like, first of all, I think it's selfish for me if I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to get a coach. And then I'm going to put them through all this type of stuff. And I'm just like, and for me, I don't have a goals of winning Grand Slams. Like, I just want to do it my way, have fun with it and just play. So that is uh, Nick Kyrgios having a chat to Elliot Loney on his uh, podcast that he's uh, now started uh, weekly. We're going to chat to Brent Larkham a little bit later on, the new head coach of the National Academy, which is going to be based up in Brisbane. Uh, his brother, Todd, of course, coach Nick in those formative yeah. uh, days. And it's been a long time, Grothy, since Nick has had a coach. It's just an interesting viewpoint, considering if we just put it on parlance with you know what AFL clubs have been through in the last few months, having to offload a lot yeah. of that their second and third tier coaches. I mean, most AFL clubs are going to be 10 coaches employ who all play a really important part in the development and now it's sort of going back to the old-fashioned way of a senior coach maybe one or two assistants and less of that real development and I suppose it's always that question how much does the coach genuinely influence the player how big a part you know do they really play beyond the junior days well there was a lot to unpack in what that little bit of a an insight into Nick that we got there but I think 
The biggest part was his last sentence is, I don't necessarily want to be challenging for Grand Slams. That's not what drives me. So if he's not trying to be the best in the world and put a team together like Rafa and Novak and Roger have done, if he's not looking to win Grand Slams, then I agree. Why hire a coach? Why not just go about things the way you're going about it? It doesn't seem like it's a necessary thing for him if that's not where he wants to be. That's that's my opinion of it. Uh, no doubt, yeah. Everyone's journey is different. What you put around you is different. Your goals and ambitions are uh, different. But, uh, anyway, we'll park that one for the moment because we're going to get right across to Spain, uh, Grothy, and catch up with Australia's uh, number one male who, well, just been itching to get back on court. He did so over the weekend in, a, uh, of course, a big region of Valencia Tennis Challenge. No fans, but some good hit-outs against some worthy opponents. Alex Dimonor, it's great to have him back on the show. Alex, really appreciate you taking the call. No problem. How are you guys? We're going well, uh, young man. Good to be back playing. I mean, this has been pretty tough for all tennis players to be just in, you know, having cabin fever for the last uh, three to four months unprecedented times. You love to compete. You love to train. You've got such a hunger for the game. So it must have been nice just to get out and hit uh, hit a tennis ball again. Of course. I mean, it was uh, it was great, actually. Um, even though it was technically just practice matches and training matches, I mean, uh, I used it as an opportunity to, you know, just get back into competing, get those competitive juices flowing again. And, geez, it, it felt good to be back on court, that's for sure. Yeah, Damon, I was starting to get a little bit worried about you during isolation, following you pretty closely on social media, throwing golf clubs off your roof. There was a few worrying times there. Obviously for you, though, 2020 almost mirrored a little bit what 2019 did. Obviously, you started so great with the ATP Cup. You're on fire out here, then had to pull out of Adelaide, had to pull out of the Australian Open, managed to get yourself up for Acapulco, but... You've had an extended break through this first part of the year to get your body right. Have you been able to use this period to help develop some of those uh, physical attributes that you're going to need to be able to stay out there a little bit more consistently as you move forward in your career? Is that how you've approached this time off? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, it hasn't been a, an a ideal year. You know, we started off very strongly and, and I thought I was playing at a very high level. And obviously, my body did not allow me to... To continue that so you know we're putting in a lot of emphasis on just trying to at least if we're not able to compete even though the body's at a hundred percent right now just make sure I keep on improving physically try to get a little bit bigger a little bit stronger and and indeed as you said to to be able to take it to these guys week in and week out and you know mainly just for my body to hold up that's that's the biggest thing yeah, has that been the biggest focus? Or is, that, is that the part right now that you feel like needed the most work? Yeah, I think so, because uh, I feel like uh, mentally I'm there, you know, I'm able to, to bring my level week in and week out. I think tennis-wise I, I've been able to show sort of different sides of, of my game that if need be I can sort of step it up a little bit more and, and try to take it to these top guys. But mainly just my body, you know, I want to be going deep week in and week out and and to do that you know you've got to have these other two aspects but the biggest thing is just your body to hold up to be able to bring it every day have that intensity make sure your body doesn't have any niggles and and just to to play through these long weeks and tough matches and be able to do that day in and day out and that's probably the biggest focus right now 
Yeah, Alex, right before we jumped on the call, we heard Nick talking there from a podcast in the week about him not putting a coach on board. You've definitely been on the other side. You've had Adolfo alongside you for a long time. We've seen you put in a lot of work with Leighton back here, um, you know, physio and strength and conditioning, and you know, Nick's a good friend of yours. But have you felt it's really important to have put that correct team around you? And obviously Adolfo's been around for a long, long time but also to tap into someone like Leighton and players of the past to try to help you move forward? Yeah, of course. For me, it's been something very important in, in my life, in my career. I've had uh, Adolfo with me for about 11, 12 years now, and he's sort of like the one constant there. Now, from there, I've tried to, to bring along some more people into the team. Uh, I've had now working with a, with a physio and strength and conditioning coach who I'm trying to bring in on tour with me to just you know just try to be a, a bit more professional uh take care of the body a lot more as well and you know i've been very fortunate to have uh someone like Leighton who's really helped me out as a mentor and you know brought me into davis cup i've been able to learn a lot through there and just uh, has really helped me out Alex Demonor, our special guest tonight here on the First Serve Australia's number one male. He's been holed up over in Spain for a number of weeks. Finally got a chance to have a, a couple of decent hits on the weekend just to uh, iron out some of the cobwebs. I, I had the pleasure, Alex, of sitting down with your mum, uh, Esther, at Wimbledon last year. Had a great chat to her from a, a parent perspective. And, you know, I could tell sitting there that she genuinely, you know, misses her son. Uh, she doesn't, you know, go around the world travelling uh, right across the year and you've got obviously some young uh, siblings as well. Has this been time that you've sort of treasured that's unexpected because a, a, a tennis, uh, in, your, you know, in your case, you're in your prime, a tennis player's life is on the road. For it's the got a new dog as well, you, you BP. And the dog, yeah, everything. Have you, have you treasured yeah, this time exactly. just to be part of your family? Yeah, look, uh, I must say this has been... Uh, definitely a shock to the system because um you know probably it's the longest time i've spent anywhere in like i don't know maybe five or six years so it's something that's very new to me so it took a little bit getting used to being in the same place but of course i've had the chance to spend a lot of time with the family uh, i've recently just gotten a, a little puppy now that i'm i'm taking care of which it's also taking out a lot of time of my day, uh, but it's fun. You know, I've got to clean up a, a lot of it, a lot of its poops, and you know, just waking me up in the middle of the night, which is fun, a lot of fun. I didn't think it was like that, but you know, it, it's been something different. I mean, we don't have uh, our tournaments, and we're not allowed to compete and all that, but you know, I've been able to get some quality time with the family and and have definitely been enjoying that. Yeah, Damon, you mentioned not being able to compete. Obviously, the US Open, they're trying to get things up and running. They're trying to move Cincinnati to New York. We've heard a bit of opposition from Novak, from Rafa, about not being able to bring their teams, and if it's not going to be able to be done properly, that it shouldn't be run at all. How do you feel about trying to get to New York in terms of coronavirus and safety and and bringing your team? or? Are you open to the idea? Do you just want to get back out there and compete, or, or are you a little bit cautious about um, moving forward with an event when the world is the way it is, I guess? I think it's really all about finding sort of a healthy balance as well because, I mean, I can guarantee you every single tennis player wants to get out 
back out there and start competing again. But, you know, you've also got to look at the way the players are going to be treated, um, their bodies, because even, you know, you come out and if they want to play Cincinnati and US Open and then straight away play French Open, I mean, you've got to look at what that's going to do on the bodies of the players because it's not really going to be very safe because at the end of the day you can do all the training in the world you can put your body through five hour training sessions each day but nothing compares to competition the nerves the stress everything that happens in a match and especially let's say u.s open five sets grueling matches day after day that's going to take a toll on the body and if you've got to back it up the following week in, on clay in a different surface and all that, that's something that should, you know, be looked at because it could end up with a lot of players actually getting injured. That's it. that's my only concern. Yeah. No, I agree. It's tough to come out of off-season any time, and this has been extended, no match play. I do have one little question, though, as a player. Do you, do you feel like when we come yep. back from this break that there's more chance of upsets of these top guys? Obviously, when you come back from injury, for example, or time away from the tour, it's hard to come out and play at your best level. Are we a chance of seeing a few more upsets when tennis resumes? Uh, I believe so. I believe that, you know, no one knows how people are going to come back. You know, this is something new. Not a, a lot of people have had to go, go through such long periods of time without competing. So it's not easy to to sort of pick up where you dropped off. So it's going to be interesting. I think uh, it's definitely a lot more open. The players are going to be able to to sort of push these top guys possibly, especially the first couple of weeks back. And I think it's going to be, it's going to make it very interesting. I mean, it'll be the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing how everyone else comes back and, and how their body pulls up, you know, who's, who's, has done the work in the off-season to, to be ready, who hasn't, who's slacked off a bit. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'll tell you what, Alex, uh, while you and Grothy were going in depth, I just went onto your Instagram account, got a look at the uh, the golden <laughs> nugget, uh, little Enzo, and I'll tell you what, he does look like a handful, but he'd fit. Uh, doesn't Venus Williams carry a dog around at tournaments? He could just fit beautifully uh, into the bag uh, out on court. He might go and fetch a few balls. Nah, oh, nah. He's an absolute ripper. Sorry, sorry. I'm I'm not going to be that kind of person. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got uh, I've got my dog, uh, my puppy. Uh, oh, now okay. that I'm home, I'll be able to spend a lot of time with him. But once I uh, I travel, uh, I think my my mum and my siblings are going to have to take care of them. But <laughs> I, I don't see myself uh, being that person that brings a dog on tour. Sorry. No, 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 fair call. I, w- I wasn't actually trying to encourage you to do it either. Um, no, it's a very good decision. Just, <laughs> just, just finally, I just, I just want to ask you, I mean, you know, it's been great to watch your development, not only as a tennis player, and that's just been a, a joy, I've got to say, because you just give your heart and soul every time you play, but your growth as a person, I mean, you seem to enjoy the media side. I, I often think, Alex, with tennis players, if you don't enjoy the media side, this is going to be a very long arduous career because tennis players have to do a large chunk of media every time you play people want a piece of you press conferences individual radio stations uh, broadcasters rights holders but you seem to have really embraced it i mean you can you can see your growth every time we interview you how much you uh how much you give of yourself 
Uh, well, I kind of see it as it's part of the game. I mean, at the end of the day, this is what I do. It's my passion, and I'm fortunate enough to have my passion as my job. And if, you know, media is a part of it, I mean, it's it's a part of your job. You know, you got to go out there, and, and sometimes, you know, like everything in life, it's not exactly what you want to do, or there's points in time where you don't really feel like, you know, talking to, to the media and having a probably a little bit more time off. But, uh, look, you know, I... I I understand how all of this works, and you know I'm I'm happy to to provide whenever whenever I can. Good man. Hey, great to chat to you. Uh, what's next? Uh, have you sort of scheduled some more matches coming up? What lies ahead for you? Well, uh, at the moment I'm in, in between a couple things, trying to sort out and see. I guess it all depends on when the tour yep. resumes, because if we get a clear answer on that, then I can try and organize some i don't know maybe some team events in in italy or some some more sort of tournaments uh, exhibition tournaments sort of in-house i just gotta gotta wait and see what the deal is because if we're gonna start at you know cincinnati us open then Mm. that's obviously gonna change my preparation beforehand uh i want to make sure that i get to those matches in the best possible shape uh, I can, so I probably wouldn't play tournaments on clay or matches on clay. I would just focus my my sort of preseason on hard court and, and make sure I get to that point at 150%. So, you know, there's a couple of things here and there, but it's all really depending on the big question mark, which is when the tour is going to resume. Yes. The question we'd love the answer to. Hopefully it's going to come pretty soon. Thanks, Alex. Always appreciate your time. All the best, mate. We'll keep in touch. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Alex Demonor, our number one male, wears his heart on his sleeve. He'll give you value for money every time you get to uh, go and watch him play. And uh, he's grown and grown, Grothy. Um, I can see him maybe going down and doing a bit of postcards eventually. He's, uh, He's embraced this whole media thing. Nah, he's great value. Obviously, he got bought into the Davis Cup fold when... I was playing, he was our orange boy for for a number of times, the amount of hours he'd do on court and you know, he's a ripper kid as well. I mean he's not he's not a kid anymore, he's a kid when he came into that environment. That's I still look at him like that, but you know, he's he's a pleasure to have around and he's and obviously an amazing tennis player, but he's just a ripping guy, which is what you want to see as well. Absolutely. Yarra tennis coaching. I did head out there last Tuesday night, it was nice and brisk with the lights were on. Uh, all the courts have been occupied. Shane Scrutton, great to see he and his team back. Melbourne's award-winning coaching program at beautiful Eaglemont, just off the uh, Eastern Freeway there. 20 teams, junior and adult programs. Head to yarratennis.com.au. Back with uh, Brent Larkham. He's been named the head coach of the National Tennis Academy. To join us next here on The First Serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis. The Green Life Group, your open space specialist in landscape construction, maintenance and project management. Check out glgcorp.com to discover more. Fred Phillips, Sam Groth on this Monday night, officially unveiled by Tennis Australia on Friday. There, Paul Vassello has been appointed to the newly created role, Grothy, of Director of Talent. Now, we did reveal it on this show last Monday in regard to Paul's appointment, who's come from the private sector, over 20 years in the private sector, and we'll uh, certainly catch up with him in the next couple of weeks once he gets his feet firmly under the desk. And that well-known 
Uh, coach, of course, Brent Larkin has been named the head coach of the National Tennis Academy and under the restructure with the performance review to have that one academy based out of Brisbane. Brent has been good enough to take our call tonight. Brent, welcome to the show. Evening, guys. How are you going? Yeah, we're going well. Uh, you've had a, a long-time involvement in the game. I know Grothy will uh, pull apart a few things with you. You know him uh, exceptionally well throughout uh, his career. Can I just get your take? And we've spent a lot of time, Brent, on our show the last six to eight weeks looking at the performance review, speaking to Wally Masua, speaking to the private sector coaches, speaking to parents, etc., etc. You've been around. You've learned a lot of lessons along the way. You've seen the good. What can improve? What do you make of your new role and where this can eventually lead to in terms of trying to develop the best talent here? Oh, look, I can't wait to start from a personal uh, standpoint. I've had 20 years in high performance um, and had a couple of years off where I've really just kept my feet in the water, um, coaching a couple of nights a week in Canberra, helping out ACT Tennis. Um, and, you know, this review has taken a long time. They've, they've had a lot of data. They've had a lot of input from uh, private sector uh, players, ex-players, coaches. Uh, I think they've got the model right moving forward. Um, putting all the best players in one place, I think that's always uh, worked. creates a competitive environment. I think it, I think that's something we did quite well a few years back and um, really looking forward to getting, getting amongst it. Yeah, Brent, for me it was great to hear you put into the role, obviously a huge part of my development coming through. You'll put on as the AIS head coach. My first year in the program, you gave me an opportunity Back in 2006, um, you headed up the National Academy in Brisbane as the head coach. You've been the head of sport now at Radford College there in the ACT. When you took on that role, I guess, the first time as the AIS head coach, you, you were a tennis coach. That that was your background. That was what you were good at. But you've had to learn, obviously, the, admin, the administrative side as well now. Do you think the experiences from 2006 now, geez, that sounds like a long time when you say 2006 as well and you count the years, but do you think that puts you in a better position to take on a similar role to what you did in 2006. Obviously, it's not the AIS anymore. It's this head coach role. But do you think you're in a better position to take on that role this time around? Oh, without doubt, Grothy. I, I think that was uh, a really big point in my own career, just from a personal standpoint, getting to go to the, H, the AIS. I've sort of coached privately for seven or eight years on the tour. So you, you work a little bit in isolation. You're travelling every week. Um, you're trying to you know, chew people's ears off for information and things like that. But uh, when we actually ended up back in, in Canberra uh, and I had the opportunity to work with some of the best people in the country, administrators, sports scientists, physios, and, and also other coaches from different sports, you know, I still clearly remember going to watch some gymnastics and talking about road cycling, uh, swimming programs, athletics programs, basketball, netball, all these different things, and having the opportunity to to listen to these other coaches was a real, um, you know, information download for myself, really, because, you know, you always worked with tennis and you worked with tennis coaches and things like that. And I, I, I think, like, the last couple of years, well, it's a bit extreme working at a school. I've also um, had the opportunity to watch how teachers operate and, and how they, you know, communicate with, with classrooms and kids of various ages. So I don't think of <laughs> had a lack of experience coming into a role like this, and yeah, definitely got some new tools. I'd say in, in the cupboard for myself to try to help these young players come along. And I mean, I, I'm fresh as a daisy. I think you know, had a couple of yeah. years off after 20 years straight. Is that was a you know a long period, and you look back and go, wow, just <laughs> grinding around. I can't name how yeah. many countries and places that I've been to, even with you, Sam. You know, like we've been everywhere, haven't we? 
And, yes, um, certainly have. You know, being able to, yeah, it's not all roses, is it, on the on the tour? Um, you know, you, the general public, I guess, sees you know, four majors of the of the year, and it sees um, you know the Aussie Summer in Brisbane and Sydney and Kuyong and uh, you know New Tournament in Adelaide and these things, and it looks fantastic. But it's a it's a real job. It's a real grind out there on the tour, and. Um, you know, hopefully I can pass on, you know, some of the mistakes you made along that journey because we've all made mistakes and and um, bring a, a real bit of energy and passion and um, knowledge to this new role. So when you started last time in that AIS head coach role, it was a pretty lean time for Australian tennis. Obviously we had Leighton, but not a lot behind that. And we developed, or you developed a pretty good group that came through. When you look at tennis this time, when you take over this similar role and this head coach role, where do you start and, and where's the focus and where do you see the improvements being made when you, when you start? Um, I think um, we've unfortunately got a little bit of a leaner period through the juniors as well uh, at the moment. I think when we started there, I think when I when we finished in, in Queensland, when I finished up three years ago, we had a really good. We'd had a really good run there in Queensland. We, we won the Aussie Open junior boys singles and doubles with with uh, two different players, which you know that's not the Albury Wodonga Grass Court Easter tournament. Is it? And, uh, um, <laughs> Even I couldn't win that. Um, we, <laughs> I never won it either, man. I think I lost the semis one year. <laughs> and I think um, you know, coming in, working with the younger kids, uh, you know, that 15, 16 year old, and, and I, I really want to form a, a group of coaches that have been out there on the tour and they know what it takes. You know, you can see a little bit of vision, you can see what's going to work, what's not going to work at that uh, higher level. It's a really interesting period from that age of 15 to 20 or so. You know, the average age of entry to the top 100 for most players is around the 22 year, year old mark. Um, you know, you get your fantastic young players. Um, that can do it earlier than that, you know. Like in recent years, we've had a Kokonakis, a Demonar, um, a Curios who have been ahead of the curve in that. Uh, but generally speaking, most of the kids are, you know, coming through. So th- those developmental years from 15 to 19, I think that's really where I can make the biggest difference, knowing what is going to work and what isn't going to work at the highest level. Um, and you know, preparing kids for life on the tour, you know, you've got to be resilient. You can play 30 yeah. weeks of the year, as you know, and you can lose 30 times. And that is really the reality of it. And you can have an incredible year. You can, I think sometimes you can, that gets you can missed. Your ranking. Mm. It In does. the preparation it really of players, it's, it's always about hitting forehands and backhands. I think yeah. the actual preparation for what the tour is is sometimes missed in the development of the players. Yeah, and that's going to be a big part from what I'm trying, the information I'm going to be trying to give them, Sam. Like like I said, you can really play 30 tournaments, lose 30 times and have a fantastic year. And, you know, you can't get too up with the wins and you can't get too down with the losses because you're going to lose. You know, you've just got to keep chipping away and finding ways to get good weeks of training. You know, you lose early in a tournament. You know, you can't write that week off. There's still things you can gain. You know, you can still get some schoolwork done. You can still get some strength conditioning done. You can still work on your forehand through that week, getting ready for that next week again. You know, you just can't waste days. And I think that's one of my biggest... Probably, you know, strengths I'd say is that you just continue mm. to try to get the work done and you don't get too excited when you win and you don't get too frustrated when you lose. But, you know, you keep persevering and, and you know, you inevitably always run into somebody who plays a bit better than you on the day, don't you, Groff? You know, like no you, doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Brent, just one last one from me because time's going to uh, beat us here. But 
you know, we've been talking to the private sector coaches and, you know, under the changes with the review, handballing more of the development back to the private sector in that 10 to 15 age group and trying to marry that up with what Tennis Australia is doing and the programs that they're running and then making sure, trying to, it seems, keep the private coach more involved right across the journey. Have you just got a philosophical view on how that maybe should look? Um, well, I'm not really going into that space, but I think the coach education part of it is going to be really important. I guess collaboration. Um, we've got a lot of people who have been around for quite a long time on the tour, and we really need to disseminate that, that information down to the private sector. I don't think we've done that very well in the past. I think that's a big part. I think Tennis Australia are currently about to advertise the head of coach education. I think that's going to be a really, really important role because yep. um, there's a lot of us have had a lot of experience. There's a lot of ex-players. There's people like Darren Cahill, um, you know, Tony Roach, um, myself, uh, people that have been around on the tour for that you know 20-year period. And, and being able to get that information to to the private sector, to the private coaches that can, you know what, mate, that forehand's not going to, probably going to cut it when you get to the next level or this, you know, just the little things that, that they can work on. I think that's going to be a really big um, part of the development process of all these kids and the development of Australian tennis. So I look at that as being just a critical role moving forward. Like, how does that coach education work? How can we get that information out to the private sector? And at the end of the day, the private sector have got to make those decisions. As a coach, you live and die by the decisions you make. But the more information you've got, the the more tools you have and the better chance you are of making a good decision with where you take your child's career. So much to pull apart, and we'll continue to talk about it here in a year where there's no tennis internationally. We uh, we love really discussing the domestic scene and creating the best uh, pathway, your experience. Uh, nice to see the uh, batteries are recharged and uh, look forward to seeing you step into that new role. And, uh, and let's catch up down the track once you've um, been up in Brisbane for a little while. Love to. Thanks for having me. Brent Larkham, the new head coach of the National Tennis Academy to be based out of Brisbane. Starting from scratch, uh, they uh, specialise in the removal of window scratches, bringing it back to its uh, former glory. They are your uh, premium glass repairer, whether it's scratches on that sliding door uh, to the local milk bar that's been graffiti tagged with a knife. They can remove it starting from scratched.com.au. Back to wrap up the first serve. The first serve. Your home of tennis. The Green Life Group, your open space specialist in landscape construction, maintenance and project management. Check out glgcorp.com to discover more. Welcome back as we uh, wrap up a big edition of the first serve on this uh, Monday night. Your home of tennis, if you're just discovering us for the first time, uh, keep an eye on our website right throughout the week, thefirstserve.com.au. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, plenty of good news content dropping, uh, Aussies only, with a very special guest uh, coming up this week. So make sure you're tuning into that, crunching the numbers uh, in the huddle. And uh, thanks to 100 Words, they're a network of active local communities with the aim of improving men's mental health and reducing male suicides. We're right behind them and the great work that they do. Check out 100words.com.au. Grothy, we await, hopefully in a week, although I think I get the feeling it might be smack bang on the uh, the 15th when we go to air uh, next week. They might delay it a few days, but hopefully we'll know something about the US Open and hopefully we'll know what the domestic scene looks like here in Oz. Yeah, well, hopefully. We've been waiting, obviously, the week that Tom Lana gave us. Well, that's gone, been and gone. The US Open, they have the rest of the week. You know, we're, we're just in a holding pattern. We're finding more and more about this performance review, and we're starting to put the pieces for what Tennis Australia is doing here in terms of the player pathway. 
there's a little bit more obviously to unpack with that when we finally get a hold of Paul Vassello once he's settled into the job. But yep. you know, I think a really great appointment. It was great to speak to Brent. Obviously, someone that I know really well. It was uh, great for me to hear him put back in that role. Yeah, he was. Uh, it was a good chat. And if you missed uh, Alex Demonor, if you're just uh, turning on the radio late, of course our show will be uh, podcast. Make sure you check that out as uh, part of the FirstServe.com.au. He gave us plenty, including introducing us to Little Enzo, the Golden Nugget. Uh, looked like he was in good form. Thank you, Grothy. We'll do it again next Monday. Thanks, mate. Enjoy your week. Have a great week. Great to see people back playing tennis. Hit them well during the week, and we'll do it all again six o'clock next Monday night here on SCN. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.